I wanted some pants, but I didn't have pants. This is all I had in my locker. You've done some hard work, man. You got dirt all over your freaking jeans, your warm-ups, whatever you got. And it's just full of this stuff. But I know this, if we really want to go where we want to go, we got to get all the rest of this out of our stuff, man. This last bit of losing's got to get out of here. It crushes us. That cost you a game, cost you a season, cost you the playoffs. Like that's we got to get out, man. When we have a game and we own that game, we finish that game. Live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. And maybe I was off at the beginning of the show. Maybe I do need more Dan Campbell speeches. Five o'clock hours here. Adam Hill is the company. Ari's back in the Finley Toyota Studios. We're at the Battleborn Broadcast Center. We talked to Justin Watkins in hour number one. That'll be podcasted a little after six o'clock. You were jumping in about his speech. Right. I said you you might need it. I do need it. Yeah. We have to get fired up for this five o'clock hour. We have to. We have to. We are. There's no other way to go. Shake out those pants. Well, I can, I can t- shake out those pants. I can tell you in about 27 minutes when we get into the video of the week, I think you're going to be shocked with my response about hot dog straw guy. But okay. before that, Big Five. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. Hot dog. Hot dog. Hot dog. What am I doing? Which way do we go? Hot dog? Hot dog. Dog. Dog? Da- no, dog. All right. Saudis live 54. What is it? Saudis. Saudis golf. Saudis, Saudis golf, live. 54. Saudis 54 live. Holes. Saudis live. Saudis 54. Okay. Okay, well, Greg Norman and Phil Mickelson talked a big game. They said the PGA needed to make some changes. They needed to treat the players better. You said this live thing is not real. It's just a marketing arm. Yeah, we learned in court. It's Why not. is the PGA being triggered into making moves? What what are, What is it doing? Well, it's, it's real in that it's paying people money for doing nothing. Right. So this, this has kind of worked. Has it? Well, what is the... The PGA is doing what? Now okay, if they're... you believe that the, the aim of live golf is to get the PGA to play pay its players more than yes, it's no, right. no, I don't, I don't. I, that that I'm not saying it was like some freaking mission that they wanted to do the right thing and make good for the golfers. No, I just mean it's if they wanted to bust the chops of the PGA, it worked. And and sure. when I say we, Greg Norman and Phil Mickelson don't like the PGA, so if their their end game was like, hey, let's just stick it to them, man, and they're going to have to react to this, they've reacted. Sure. I mean, I, I don't believe any of that thing, those things. But yes, they, the PGA has reacted uh, to what Liv is doing because they they realize that there are more players that are going to leave uh, for this non-competitive weird thing, and they need to figure out a way to pay the players more and to, to generate excitement and to do some different kind of things and to and to look to the future. And we know that Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy met last week, and it seems like they've come up with some ideas, uh, including. Tour commitments for one, the guys can't just you know come here and here and there oh. and play a couple of couple of different you know tournaments. They have to play consistently at okay. least twenty match twenty tournaments a year. Uh, so that's part of it. Uh, there's some tournaments with much bigger purses, uh, twenty million dollar guarantee pur- purses uh, for players to 
you know, try to make a bigger percent or bigger pile of money uh, for each stop. And uh, this weird Monday night stadium tech golf, which I think is essentially them playing top golf. Like on Monday nights. Seems like a bad night. It does. During football season. I think I would do it in non-football season. Right. That's how I think I would make it. I mean, they only have so much free time because, you know, of travel and the actual sure. tournaments. Oh, and, oh, 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 oh. And this all coincides with, oh, the tour championships coming up and other big money events. So right after that, because that's what the PGA players want to be in. Oh, right after that, they could leave. So the PGA is making a proactive move here before they lose more golfers. Sure. The timing here is is interesting. Jordan Spieth did say um, he thinks that Live Golf has been a, uh, quote, catalyst for recent PGA Tour changes. <laughs> no, no kidding. <laughs> Thank you, Jordan. He could, he could coach the Raiders or which, the Patriots. Which tells me that he was considering leaving. Sure. I, I he seems like that sort of character guy. Not that everyone who left for Live is a bad character guy. Greg Norman, Phil Mickelson, yeah, they are. And again, I, I think it's important to point it out, as I've referenced it a couple times and joked about it. Like For those that aren't paying attention or don't know, Live is not a competition. You love this, that they paid them up front, and they're really not paid on week-by-week performance. Yeah, so if you win a tournament, whatever prize winnings, quote-unquote, you would have collected just comes out of that guarantee that they gave you. So isn't that the NBA and baseball who have guaranteed contracts? Uh, Sure, but you're playing for your next contract. The money is so ungodly that you don't need another contract with Liv. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're just, okay. Well, just, and, and like the whole point of like a golf tournament, first of all, there's like part of a whole golf tournament is a lot of times nerves, right? Where a guy is like, ah, oh, on the 18th, ah, oh, I'm really shaky. Well, now you're not playing for anything. Right. Like, what, what nerves did you have? So isn't, so Mickelson essentially in baseball would be like David Price. Like David Price makes $32 million a year and he's the sixth inning man many times when the Dodgers are behind. And I, and I, I don't, I don't know what, I, I don't know what the extent is of any arm injury or he can't go long. I mean, he's David Price. And I, don't, I usually don't hate on guys for the money stuff, but it is amazing where David Price is now. We got a two hundred seventeen million dollar deal from the Red Sox, and now he's closing out the deal. He's made he makes thirty two million dollars a year, and there's never been any discussions ever of him starting this year for the Dodgers, who were down Trevor Bauer and now down Walker Bueller, and it's just like, hey, dude, you you he. I think he's made like 24 appearances this year. But isn't this like his contract's almost over? Yes. It's more the equivalent of a, if David Price had $32 million a year for the next 30 years. Right. There's, he's never going to have to sign another deal. He's he can As long as he wants to just trot out there, I mean, he's getting he, paid. I mean, he kind of does not that with a $217 million deal and probably like over 300 in earnings. Not the hate on the guy. But sure, but he, they're, he they're, is going to have to try to sign another contract for next year. This is like having $30 million every year. For the next thirty years, as long as you just walk out on the field once. He did throw one and two thirds innings the other day, so oh, they yeah, taxed him. him out a he's bit. Uh, the season. What are we at now? About one hundred and twenty games. He's made appearances in uh, thirty six. He's thrown thirty seven innings this year. It's pretty crazy. Stretching it out. Number four. It's less, it's less than a million in appearance. Nothing. Nothing against you, bro. I. I yeah. Hey, whatever. However, it works out. You got the contract. Sure. He's still a major league pitcher. Hard Knocks is all about speeches, man. It's Dan Campbell. We just heard from Deuce Staley, who cannot speak right now and is sounds like a church mouse. He's very low, very scratchy. Then there's Aaron Glenn, who comes up to kind of casually one of his defensive players in Hutchinson, their top pick, and he lays this out there, which maybe this was staged. 
my man. I tell you what, dude. Everything I thought about you, man, yeah. just it's good to know it's real. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's good to know it's real, brother. I'm serious. I'm serious when I say that, though, man. Because a lot of times when you get guys, you don't get the you don't get the true self. Man, you stand true to that. And that, because that's that's what I believe. I'm gonna be me. You know, and I can be different, and that's okay. At least you know. No doubt. At least you know. He's not different. He's arrogant. He comes from money. He got to go to Michigan. He was condescending to the Nigerian prospect who went to Memphis. He is who he is. He's a horse's ass. He's going to be a good player. I thought that. And maybe that's what makes him a great player because he's incredibly arrogant, super confident, but the way he comes off is not great. I love Aaron Glenn's like, be who you are. All those things that you're saying, I thought before that. Now I know he's real. He's genuine. Is that right? Aaron Glenn told me. Well, there, there are a lot of us who are genuine. It doesn't mean that, that like that you're likable. No, he said it in a good way. He you're said, admirable. He said, "Too almost too good to be true, but it's true. Too good to be true." That's what he's saying. I, it's good to know all those things were real. Man, you really saying. are dismissive and cocky. It's good to see you're sticking to it. I don't think that's what he's saying. I think I truly believe. Now, I as much I do love Hutchinson, and I do love the Lions, but the I truly believe that this was. As to your point of the first couple episodes, people are like, ah, oh, Hutchinson, a little too cocky. I don't know if I like him. And they're like, Aaron Glenn, get out there on the field. Why would he have this speech on? The, why would he do this on the and field? Right with the camera there. Do it in a meeting room. Yep. Like, this was, to me, almost clearly intentional. You know, it annoys me, too, because someone asked me the other day, and, you know, my reputation means everything to me. I don't, I, I don't even know who I was talking to, but someone asked me the other day, do you think most of the show is staged? And I'm like, no, no. There's cameras everywhere. You don't, you don't even know they're there. You just get caught. I don't think it's staged. I, I think there's certain things that are done on camera instead of off camera that ordinarily would have been off camera. Like, that might have been something Stage, that he would tell them. Stage is a strong word, but here's the, here's the thing. The problem with the show is most of the stuff is approved by the team. That is so, a problem. So, that's, so then that means that Glenn or someone wanted that Glenn speech to Hutchinson in the show. Oh, of, that absolutely. could have just been put on the chopping block. Hey, it's not getting on the show, but it serves a purpose. I think there's no question that it was put in there on purpose. I, I don't know if it's that people had the same reaction that we did or if it's just so happened to be like, hey, let's put a nice speech in there about him. Uh, but I think it was done on purpose. But I think the the thing about the show is I think it's real like 98% of the time. And the times that it's not, they're not actors. We know. So like, go think, back, think back to scenes that are so clearly staged over the years. This one. The JJ Watt workout oh, <laughs> segments, God, the worst. But when they're when things are staged on the show or not staged, but when things are set up for a certain reason, it's clear. So I, th- I think it's pretty obvious when those things happen on the show, and that seemed like one of them. Number three. Okay, I don't want an answer on this that you couldn't see today because I understand that when you were at the joint practice of the Patriots and the Raiders, they kind of put you guys in a corner and blocked you. I am reading so many tweets, and maybe these are over-the-top sort of Raider fanboy slash you know content creator people, but it's also coming from the Patriots media side. I'm reading so many tweets about how unbelievable the Raiders receivers looked against the Patriots defensive backs. Do we do we get anything from this? Do we like one? I, there could be you know just in the small Twitter world, I guess a big fantasy football bump for Renfro and Adams, but. Were the Pats that overmatched? Like, the loss of J.C. Jackson is just killing. And these guys are just – these guys are great. The Pats are going to be terrible defending the pass. Well, 
you said not to make the point if you can't see anything, but I, I have to for this reason. Okay. So the one thing that they did on the corner of the we're we're in one corner of one field. Right. The one thing they did in front of us was the individual Raiders receivers versus Patriots DBs. Okay. Drill. All right. So we got to see it. Raiders receivers completely and thoroughly dominated every single play. So I glanced over to the other side where we weren't really in front of it. You had to really strain to watch and saw the exact same thing happening on the other side of the field. Because guess what? It's really hard to cover one-on-one wide receiver in a 15-yard like red zone kind of drill. It's really hard to cover somebody. I don't think there was any incompletions really on either side. Now, there, it did start. There was one part of the drill where they kind of moved where the receivers were lining up. And then the defensive backs were basically running the route before the receivers were because I think they knew the routes that were coming and all of a sudden nobody could complete a pass so like I think also there is an element to kind of pay attention to what you're watching because mm-hmm. there's other things like there are drills where they tell the DBs not to intercept a pass and people are like he's doing an interception like told not to intercept it right uh, yesterday I would was... think you can judge when you go to football practice you can kind of see you know which side is going 100 and which side is going 70 percent you should Right. Well, and then, you know, yesterday there was times when receivers on both teams from both from all six quarterbacks were just completely hung out to dry where a safety would have destroyed them. Yeah. And the safety's like, well, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do that. So it's hard to tell sometimes. And I thought I think McDaniels might have been sending a message today to some of this reporting. It was my question, but I I don't necessarily think he was talking to me. But he said, hey, sometimes you're watching. And guys are looking terrible, and it's because we're putting them in a position to look terrible, mm-hmm. so that yeah, that's what we so want. They can learn from we it and they can see what they can and can't do, and yep. maybe maybe we're putting them in the wrong position. Maybe they're just not capable of that, and we can figure out another way to use them. So, like, it's it's important to not overreact sometimes because you don't know what we're trying to do in that drill. Number two, Max Crosby's birthday recently. Yeah. So he was asked about it. Uh, and when he when he told the story, I was like, "Wow, that's a pretty laid back birthday." Uh, I came in here, <laughs> showed up to work, went home, ate dinner, put the Norman text on, whooped my brother in two K. You know, shout out to Miles. I hope he's listening. Smacked him with the sixty four Celtics. So, yeah, it was a uh, it was a great night last night. Can't complain. I was a you know 64-65 Boston Celtics. He was the uh, 2012 and 13 Miami Heat with LeBron and all them. Still smacked them. So yeah, we got a good series going right now. I don't like all the laughing. A lot of disrespect for the 64-65 Celtics. Guys playing a video game. This sounds very serious. It's not laugh at the competition. You're laughing at his brother. But beat the LeBron Heat. The the story there is Max Crosby for his birthday. Just saying, you know what? Chill. That's it. I thought it was that he threw on the Normatex. I don't know. What is that? They're like the uh, the recovery, the air compression pants. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So you sit there, wear them. We had. I cover. think we had we had two versions of that audio because uh, I think uh, part of the Vast Sound crew cut that out. Okay. Which would be me because I couldn't understand what the hell he said. Okay. So now I know. I'm glad it was in there because now. Normatech. Normatech. Yeah. Okay. Um, sit there and play video games and recover. Who programs this game? Could the 64-65 Celtics? Beat the the Heat? Well, if, if you're a good gamer. Okay. You're better than your opponent. Yeah. You can close the gap? Yeah, I think so. Or if they rate everyone on a 2022 scale. 
Yeah, but it's not like... Which is kind of crazy. It's not like Tecmo using Jerry Ball or Bo Jackson. There's not like a glitch where you just dominate. Do you just up the Celtics' ability to uh, shoot three-pointers? They didn't. I mean, are they? They don't even take them in the game. You can't physically shoot a three because they didn't have them. They didn't exist. Okay, I'm just wondering. I don't think so. This is a good thing, right? What? Did you just playing video games? Yeah, that was a very boring birthday. It's training camp. Okay. Yeah, you're, you're focused on. And it's Vegas. And Max, you know, has had addiction problems. And let's be honest. Let's not have any more Raiders having too good a time. Please. Yeah. So I mean, you're focused on. You're getting ready for the season. So you gotta you gotta focus. But there, there's a bigger thing here. This guy, he he really is a leader. I mean, we know he goes 150 percent on the field, but you know if he's if this is what he's doing, he really he's treating football the way he should, right? Yeah. Where where is he now on the Madden list? Fifty uh, nine? No, that's the top whatever the top hundred, whatever it yeah, is. Top not, not 50, list. I think fifty six, fifty six or fifty nine. Okay. And he sounds like he's still motivated to keep getting better and better and better. Yeah, you always have, and he's talked about that before. Is that always having goals, always having something to look forward to? So when you have a good year, you know, have a better year. Or hey, if you're the second best defensive end, be the best. If you're the best, then be the best ever. Like there's always things to try to strive to and climb for. Number one. After the break, number one story. We're going to hear from Josh McDaniels. Actually, have that cut that Adam was talking about, trying to explain what practice is, and that uh, all this panic over the offensive line. Um, Maybe much ado about nothing. I think there's a concern, but McDaniels explains, we'll have this after the break, that, you know what, we want them to be uncomfortable. We want them to look bad at times. That's how they learn. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Live. From the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. Rolling on 5 o'clock hour at the BBBC, Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000 is the number. Ari is back at the Finley Toyota Studios. Adam is here. Adam's been all over this Raiders scene. Um, I'm not going to say I'm tired of talking about the Raiders offensive line because it's a story, but I don't know that I've talked about an O-line before a season as much as I have with the Raiders because it's been so wacky. Going back to the end of last year, we thought there'd be all these fixes, maybe some big names brought in, maybe there's more uh, high-level draft picks, but then they make a trade for Devontae Adams, so they don't have a first and a second. It's Dylan Parham who's picked as the first guy for the Raiders in the draft. So McDaniels, now after you know another practice, a preseason game, we don't know what's going on at right tackle, was talking again about the offensive line this morning at the Raiders facility. Are you comfortable with the progression that the offensive line has shown as a whole? Uh, you know, we like I said, we learn every day. I don't think anybody will start in September where they're going to finish. And so we're going to try to get to a certain point and be as good as we can be. And like I said, if that's first base, that's first base. And when we make it to second, we'll make it to second. Okay, so Josh McDaniels is brilliant at that. He gives you an answer. That's part of the answer. And you're like, wait, what? First base, second, September, at the end? What's going on here? Because Adam asked, are you, are you comfortable with the progress? And you come out of that first answer, you're like, wait a second. I don't have any clarity here. But as he kept speaking, uh, it, you know, this is something Adam mentioned earlier. I thought this was great in talking about what goes on in practice and, and what the preseason really is for, which is to create an atmosphere oftentimes of tumult and really test guys. Part of those things we do every day, and, and this is what I think sometimes gets lost, 
failure is part of this process and we do it on purpose. You know, we have to try things that may be difficult, may be hard, maybe we're not ready to do them. When we do those things, we learn a lot about ourselves, whether we learn how to do that technique or that scheme better, or we learn that that's not something that's for us right now. And so if we, if we just did what was safe, and if we just did what everybody knew, I don't know how much progress we would make. If you never put them in a hard position, you're not going to learn a whole lot about them. So right now what we're doing is we're challenging them. We got significantly challenged yesterday. And we saw things we haven't seen all year, going back to OTAs. And so that's the nature of these practices. And it was great because we can't really simulate that otherwise. Yeah, I mean, I think... Again, we, we listen to Josh McDaniel say a whole lot, not really say anything, but then if you kind of read between the lines a little bit, I think he's sending the message of, you know, when you see a guy maybe have a really bad rep or maybe struggling in some certain area, don't quickly say, well, that guy's a disaster. That sucks because sometimes they're doing something that maybe they're not co comfortable with or capable of just to find out, all right, is this something he'll ever get? Like, is this something we can work on and get him better at this? Or is this something we just shouldn't put him in this position anymore? You know, they, they move guys around. They, they threw Brandon Parker at right tackle and like every rep of training camp and then preseason game, go play on the left. And that's kind of sim to simulate, Hey, if, if we're in a game, could you move to the left side? And he didn't do very well. And, and I think that there was people maybe uh, that said, well, why would you do something like that? Why would you make him look silly? Well, the, the goal is, to, to first of all, see if he's capable of doing it. And secondly, see if it's fixable or if it's just something like, hey, we know that he can't play left tackle. Like, where, where is that decision? So those are the kind of things, not to pick on Brandon Parker, but that's just kind of an example of what he's talking about, where they're using this to learn their team, learn their personnel, see where everybody stands and see what what should be worked on, what's what's worth kind of saving or what's what should be kind of thrown away. Seems smart. Seems like it. Smarter than me. I hope you follow up on this angle with some of the players, especially the offensive linemen. You know, yeah. Hey, Josh McDaniel said failure can be at least a learning experience. Maybe not a good thing, but how are you feeling about that? Do you, do you enjoy your learning experiences of failing? Probably not the best way to ask. Maybe I didn't ask it the best way either, and no. you followed up with an even worse way. Sure. But you got my point. Of course. I'd like to hear from players if they've been you know, demoralized or like, yeah, you know what? Because I'm sure McDaniels talks about this to everyone. I, one of the things, uh, and, and you know, I mostly take what Derek Carr says seriously. Uh, the one thing I definitely take seriously is Carr has mentioned repeatedly uh, Josh McDaniels' knowledge of the team and interest in all of the units, the possession, or the uh, positions, that sounds very Belichickian. Yeah, for sure. That that because you know, you know, you've been around football teams and football coaches. Like when you're an offensive guy or you're a quarterback guy, that's what you are as a head coach. Yeah, right. Not all head coaches are like, hey, I'm you know, I'm going to get in to the freaking special teams room here and there. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's talk returns. You know, let's. I want to talk about coverage at safety. You know, let's go. For sure. And there, there's some CEO coaches who just kind of oversee. Right. And I don't, I'm not saying that's the worst thing. I think that that can be effective. That can work where you just kind of take a, a bird's eye view of everything and, you know, let every individual unit do what they're going to do. And you make, you know, decisions on game day and uh, kind of take that all into account. And then there's other guys that, 
you know, Dan Campbell is going to show a tight end how to how to block somebody uh, out on the field. And like, like that, that's how, I'm glad you mentioned him. Do you think Dan Campbell's doing a lot of that stuff? Does he come across that way? Of what? Like being a guy who's working with the entire team, knows all the details of every unit. Well, I mean, definitely. Come on, you don't, have to, you don't have to hesitate. <laughs> Based on what we've seen, he doesn't. No, no. And that's why he probably doesn't have a great chance to be – you know, a guy who's going to have a ten-year run and you know win whatever ninety games. No, I, I don't. I don't think that's true. I think if you hire the right people, you don't have to micromanage everything. Ooh, okay. So delegate. Yeah, and I'm not saying one way is right and one way is wrong. I think everybody needs to figure out what they are as a coach, and then you know go to that. I mean, we know that John Gruden was very much an offensive coach, and part of what he said is like, "I'm Gus Bradley's coaching the defense. Go, go coach the defense. Like that can work sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't." There is, I think it's it's more just figuring out what you are as a coach and what works best for you, and then implementing that, and then finding the right people. Because if you're going to turn over an entire unit to somebody else or a position group to somebody else and not deal with it, you better hire the right people to do that. Cofield and Company will be back in minutes, right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Hanging at the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. What are the Patriots doing tomorrow? Do you know? I mean, the way it looks, I'm sure they're going to an amusement park and they're going to really, <laughs> really party it up. Maybe do, a I, marquee day club. I do know one thing they're doing tomorrow in terms of a, a nice uh, perk for the team, but I will not reveal that until you know people see pictures of it. Does it involve some sort of snack? Well, I wouldn't want to ruin it because maybe the players don't know about it. You so. think they're listening? It's a good point. I guess I could do it. Whatever. So they have a Thursday here, and then the game is on Friday. At the end of the show, I'm just going to say something. It'll be what the Patriots are doing. I, I'm i not going to the game. I'm kind of wishing I was because I'd like to try this experiment at a stadium or an arena. The video of the fan with a hot dog and a beer, and you can tell people in the audience who haven't seen it what the guy was doing, is amazing. It has gotten such reaction, yeah. and I think a lot of the reaction is off base. But tell people what he was doing. So he basically threaded a straw through a hot dog. So remove the bun. You take just the dog, and you you jam the straw straight through it all the way through. Like he cored out a hot dog. Yeah, and it had a straw running all the way through it lengthwise. Right, and then used it as a straw. In his beer. Did he use this? Was there still a plastic straw in the hot dog or he used the hot dog as the straw? I thought there was a straw in the inside the hot dog. See, the more I watched it, I thought the hot dog was straight up the straw. It could be. I thought he was, I thought he had I a straw was, running down the I middle. was going to do it, and then I was like, oh, I have to, like, suck out of the hot dog. Okay. It's kind of weird. Right. And that's – can I tell you? So, again, so it's a beer at the stadium. I assume it's not. You don't want to put a hot hot dog in there, right? No, you got because I want the beer cold. So you want kind of a lukewarm hot dog. You core out the middle, and then whether it has an actual plastic straw or not, the hot dog is because I don't think you want plastic more in it. Comfortable with the straw. No, but I but I think from a taste standpoint, you want the beer kind of slushing up the hole in the hot dog. Perhaps, but I, I think the the beer gets the hot dog flavor just from the hot dog floating around in it, and then. The benefit is when you're done, then you can eat the hot dog, which now tastes like beer. Tastes like beer, and beers are cooked in hot dog all the. Or, sure, wait, hot dogs are that. cooked. Hot, in beer. hot dogs are cooked in beers all the time. 
I, beers are cooked in hot. Here's the thing. Yeah, I'm never doing this. I However, will. I will. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it at the the studio one of these days. When I, I, I don't know what ha- I had. Of course, it was old. I had some hot dogs at home, and then I went to bring them in the other day, and the SO had thrown them out. Ugh, brutal. And I have I have frozen hot dogs, so I was I was ready to do this experiment with an actual cup from a ballpark. I have like some Angels cups because I hoard. It's important, right? For, I want for I want a real integrity. Cup. So I will do it, and I will have no problem doing it. And I know why. I know why a lot of guys, and I'm not going to get graphic here, but I know why a lot of guys. We're like, yeah, never, I would never do it. All right, you can. I understand it's phallic, okay, and you're you're sucking on a, a hot dog. It, it, get over it, okay. I'm get glad, over I'm it. We're not, we're not we're not gonna we're not gonna cast aspersions. We're not gonna come up with any impress. And by the way, if you want to do that in your normal, do do whatever you want. I'm just glad but, you didn't but, call it a wiener. But would I suck a hot dog to drink beer? Yes, I would. And I think this man is an idol and a role model. I'd feel more comfortable keeping the straw in it. But I, I'm going to say this: I will never do it. It's not something I'll ever participate in. However, not and not for you know the looks of it. I just I, it's you're not, very insecure. You I know that you're no, very it's not, insecure. It's not, it's not that at yes, all. It's just very I just, insecure. It's not something I need to do. However, and I think you're insulting friends who might be possibly very secure with doing this. No, I'm not. I'm just saying I don't. It's not something I'm ever going to do because I don't. I'm. I'm not going to feel the need to I feel do like this like was that. in our HR guide that we had to go through I just I passed, you, you I passed do with it. flying colors I this bet by the way this better be a question by the way also this better like, be a scenario in the HR training well I already know somebody that failed like eight times the HR training. Uh, <laughs> oops <laughs> who told me that and I was like I just passed it on the first yeah. one how do you what, what next you, what next year I, next year when the hot dog uh what do you answer the hot dog beer uh, thing is in there you're in trouble Someone's in trouble, not, not you. It has nothing to do with that. It's just I'm never going to do it. But I, what I'm going to say is I'll never do it because I just don't – I'm not going to spend all the time that it would take to do that. I'm just going to drink the beer and eat the I don't think dog. it would take that long. It, I, actually, I watched the guy. It took I, forever. No, no, no. But, well, I, I would – you couldn't bring it into the stadium. At home, I have uh, some, like, shish kebab, like metal, uh, whatever, pokers, basically. Stop doing that motion. And and I was like, I could core that out real easily. Okay, don't do the coring motion. Uh, when you're talking right. about the hot dog thing. Uh no, I just I'm not going to take the time to do it. However, what I'm going to say, what I was saying is, it didn't look. People were, this guy should be arrested. Like, I, it was so ridiculous. The reaction. It, it was. It. it the, I get. It's the a concept. hot dog and a beer. Yeah. Like what? Is, what? What is so unusual? The concept's fine. I get it. It's just not. It's I'm not. not it's gonna, a non-traditional straw. Okay, I'll give you a choice. I don't take time you, to microwave things. You, it takes too long. You, you have to drink a beer. You can either use a hot dog as a straw or a paper straw. I think a lot of people are choosing hot dogs. Paper straws are the worst. But I'm mind. not going to go on this whole. I, don't mind. I understand the animals and the good. I, you know what? I'll, I use the paper straw. It's not a big Just problem. Just imagine that but the, if I had my choice, I'm going hot dog as a straw. You'll be better with a paper straw knowing as you're drinking something that you're actually saving a turtle. So it tastes better. Wait, if you use the hot dog as a straw? Or no, as the, oh, paper, the paper as you're drinking the paper straw and you're just like, ah, oh, turtles are being saved. It tastes better then. 364-1100. Caller 7-364-1100. Tickets. Labor Day weekend. August 31st, the 3rd, the 4th. You're not getting tickets for all three days, but we got two tickets for the 831 show. Luke Bryan, Luke Bryan, Luke Bryan, country star at the Resorts World Theater. You can get your own tickets for Labor Day weekend at AXS.com. But Ari's got two tickets. Caller 7, Luke Bryan in town at Resorts World, 364-1100. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Vegas. 
It is Cofield and Company here on this Wednesday, wrapping things up. Uh, I don't think Steve's even going to respond to me on this. We don't usually do a whole lot of WNBA, but I did want to work this in because there is one game tonight, and the Aces, of course, still alive in the WNBA playoffs. Uh, Connecticut and Dallas. Tonight, Connecticut, a six-and-a-half-point road favorite. Uh, game starting in a few minutes. If you are looking for any uh, last-minute thoughts, maybe wagering on the game, there's a little bit of info uh, on this contest. Connecticut had a brutal, brutal travel schedule to get here. Uh, they had they have not been on a court since their game on Sunday. No practices, no shoot-around. They spent the entire day Monday trying to get out of the airport. Uh, flight issues, delays, cancellations. Uh, they finally were able to get a charter, but they couldn't get any of their equipment on there. Uh, so they finally arrived uh, late Monday night after midnight. Uh, so they couldn't even get on the court. Uh, sorry, they arrived on Tuesday late. Uh, today is Wednesday. So didn't really get a chance to get on the court. Didn't get any shoot-around time. Didn't get any practice time. And uh, they finally got on the court a little bit this morning. They'll play tonight. Uh, but we'll see if those travel issues impact them at all. And as we said, more important, the Aces still alive in the playoffs. The top seed uh, road to the WBA title runs through Las Vegas. Uh, but Connecticut and Dallas tonight. Connecticut a six-and-a-half-point favorite despite – all of those road issues. Let's get back to it. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Or I could have just pointed it at Ari and he would have played it. Uh, there is so much on Hard Knocks to go over, and we've only only broached the surface uh, of what is going on on that show. But yesterday, they had a juggler. Seriously, a juggler on the show. So everybody knows that they do the talent competitions. The rookies have to get out there, sing a song. And the point isn't really to see if they can sing. The point really is to uh, get the whole room kind of on their feet, jumping and into uh, the mood of training camp, trying to get everybody fired up. That's the point. And, you know, Aiden Hutchinson was able to do that with Billy Jean, not the best singer in the world, but he danced and got everybody going. Uh, most of the guys have gotten them going last night. Uh, one of the rookies, came out and said he was going to juggle. The players were furious. They were throwing things at him and booing him. He finally started juggling and didn't go great. Uh, it wasn't the best juggling performance. But then he picked it up. He got a little bit better. The, the crowd did get into it. He went with the behind-the-back juggling, uh, the between-the-legs juggling. He was pulling it off, and the players got fired up. So I guess mission accomplished. Uh, they were able to, uh, to pull that off uh, and get everybody excited. But my thought was just... Man, it, it would take a lot. It'd take a lot of courage to get up in front of people and juggle. I mean, if you're a professional, if you're at a show on the strip, you're phenomenal. You're very talented, but juggling in front of people sounds like one of my worst nightmares. I mean, I can't juggle anyway, but even if I could, that's the kind of thing that is just a tough one to pull off. If it's a skill you have, great, good, good for you. I'm impressed, but that's a uh, that's a tough one. I don't know where you really flex those juggling muscles in public. Like, there's not that many opportunities to do so outside of the circus and, like, a stage show on the Strip. It's a uh, it's a rare talent, for sure. Uh, but good, good work last night uh, by the rookie for the Lions. And he actually played okay in the game, too. So, uh, Pimpleton making an impression uh, on that team. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Fox bringing back Urban Meyer. Did you miss that? You might have. Because Fox is doing their best to make sure you don't know it. They released the news late on a Friday during a preseason game. 
uh, not on their channel, by the way. <laughs> they just threw it out there when uh, on social media while uh, everybody else was focused elsewhere. Going into a weekend, anytime you have a big major announcement that you really don't want people to hear, you put on a Friday evening. So the question is, why hire Urban Meyer if you're so embarrassed about it? It's a very weird development. Uh, obviously, Urban Meyer a completely failed head coach at this point in the NFL, going back to college where he's had success. But uh, who's really taking him seriously after the mess that he created in Jacksonville? That was just a complete and total disaster. Uh, I can't believe anybody's going to find him credible, even though he's a very good college coach, for sure. But it's not that... It's not the failing as a head coach in the NFL. That can happen to anybody. It's how he failed. It's how he ran the team, how he was exposed for what he truly is uh, as a human being. Uh, weird that they'd be so eager to put him back on and pay him, but not eager to announce it because they don't want anybody to know about it. Uh, that is what Fox is dealing with Urban Meyer right now. And by the way, just going back to the NBA story a little bit, uh, Willie listening in and uh, shooting me a DM a Goomba Wale is playing, playing tonight. So a uh, little bit of a surprise. Maybe she's active and uh, she will be available for Dallas. So maybe even more reason uh, to go with the underdog tonight against Connecticut in the WNBA. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Seahawks are going to have a quarterback, we think. I mean, I don't think they're going to line up and try to play with a halfback in the wing tee or anything like that. Somebody's going to play quarterback for them, but they're not going to announce it for a while because they haven't decided yet. Sounds like Geno Smith's still barely ahead of Drew Locke in the race for starting quarterback, but uh, Drew Locke still has a chance to surpass him. Obviously, getting COVID didn't help uh, make his case. But Pete Carroll said he's in no hurry, and he'll take the time that he needs all the way up until the first game to make that decision. Uh, I assume you're going to see both of them at some point. I actually think Drew Locke will win the job at some point and be the starting quarterback. But we also question what they're even playing for this year, right? I mean – Probably they're going to try to tank and, and get a better draft pick, but Pete Carroll is also getting old, so does he really have that much time to tank? There is a disagreement we hear between Pete Carroll and the front office about whether they should try to tank and that he wants to win games and they want to take a step back and try to get a better draft pick. So is that the holdup? Is the holdup, are we trying to win or not? And that's the dispute that they're having of who would help them win games and who would help them tank, maybe. But certainly a situation to monitor and... As we kind of referenced earlier, fantasy drafts are coming up, and I don't know that anybody's going to want any piece of the Seattle quarterback situation, but I do think there's probably a better chance for success for a guy like DK Metcalf if Drew Locke is the quarterback. So definitely something that I think you know fans and betters and fantasy players want to know, but I think the problem really in Seattle is how much are they really trying to win games, and that will factor in to their quarterback decision. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Well, one thing we have learned recently is that anybody can be president <laughs> literally anyone can be president so i saw a headline i haven't listened to the full audio yet i think i know what's going to be said i guess we potentially have another hat in the ring to be the president of the united states when 350 plus american citizens are relying on you to institute and implement policy that would affect their lives so i would told you once upon a time hell no but when I see some of the things that has transpired, I can honestly tell you, even though that answer would still be no, if people came to me and enough people came to me and said to me, Stephen A., you have a legitimate shot to win the presidency of the United States of America, I would strongly, strongly consider 
running because I know this much. I know two things would happen. I would know how to act, number one. And number two, I would think about America. Of course, I'm a black man, so I would think about the black community. But I have always prided myself in stating I'm not just about black appeal. I'm about mass appeal. And everybody in America would matter. And whatever it took to make this country better is what I would do from the bottom of my heart. I mean, that didn't sound like a potential run. It sounded like an announcement. Like, I think he's in. Stephen A. Smith, who apparently people have in the past asked him if he was going to run for president, uh, and he said no. I don't know who the people are that would ask. Uh, but is suggesting that he potentially could run. I mean, I guess, you know, pre-six years ago, we would have just laughed at this. I'm still kind of laughing at this. But is it that crazy? I mean, that sounded like a sane, sensible platform. So, first of all, I think he's out for being too qualified. Like, if you're coherent and can put together actual statements, we've learned that that's no longer what it takes for anyone to be to be president. So, I think Stephen A. might be overqualified. I think there's been a lot of laughing about this, that Stephen A. suggests that potentially he could run for president. Don't laugh. This could happen. I think I think he's actually announcing it. Like it sounds like he's ready to go. So I think he's I, I know he's got Cofield's vote. He won't even admit it right now. But he's got Cofield's vote for sure. I think he'd have mine at this point too. So let's not laugh and uh and mock Stephen A for suggesting he could run. He could. And I got to tell you, he might win. It's crazy, but I think it might happen. So stay tuned for the official announcement. I think that was the, you know, kind of the feeling out process, the uh, kind of floating it out. Let's see what's going to happen. Stephen A is just saying, yeah, maybe it's possible. Engage the interest out there. Kind of uh, put the finger in the air, spit in the wind kind of thing, see where it goes. The reaction might not have been what he wanted, but let's not think it's too crazy. That's, uh, that's possible. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Uh, just trying to get updated on some latest NFL news that is coming down. Uh, looks like Tyron Smith uh, did not have a limp as he was leaving the practice facility today for the Cowboys. That is good news. Uh, Connor McGovern uh, was asked about it by our good friend Michael Galkin, who covers the Cowboys uh, down in Dallas. He said uh, a nice. He said Connor McGovern said. Tyron gave me a nice, reassuring grunt like he usually does. So that, I guess, is confirmation that Tyron Smith not seriously injured, uh, as was per- per- perhaps feared a little bit early in the day. Uh, Raiders today talked about their injury news. Of course, nothing breaking, but we're unsure. Uh, Josh McDaniels not willing to guarantee that Darren Waller would be Darren Waller would be available for Week One. Of course, uh, the rest of the injuries that are going on are now there. Munford, who uh, walked off gingerly last week is working his way back, as is Brandon Parker, who is probably out for a lot longer than Thayer Munford, also working his way back. That's the new uh, lower body injury like we get with the Golden Knights. Working our way back. That's what the Raiders are doing right now. We are working our way towards tomorrow. Cofield and company back on the air Thursday. 
but before that, you can hear the coaches show. Coach Marcus Arroyo, Steve Cofield, Caleb Herring, the whole crew coming at you in just a few minutes. You can get caught up on what's going on with the UNLV football program going into this week's game. Saturday afternoon, Allegiant Stadium, UNLV football week zero against Idaho State. So make sure you check that out, but make sure you check out Steve and the crew. Coach Marcus Royal coming up here on the station next. <laughs> 